Hello there and welcome to the debut episode of the Hockey News on the Queue, where we discuss the QMJHL and news from around the league, all the people, personalities, and news and topics that may be of interest to anybody in the hockey world. And uh, thank you for joining us here. My name is Will McLaren, joined by our co-host Jamie Tozer. And uh, we have a special guest for our first edition here. We're going to bring him in right off the hop. Louis Robitaille, he is the head coach and general manager of the Gatineau Olympic. And it's a big season in Gatineau this year. Uh, they are already amongst the top 10 teams in the CHL. They are one of the top teams in the Q as well. And they are on their 50th anniversary season looking for yet another championship up in Gatineau. Louis, first of all, thanks for taking the time to join us this evening. Well, Jamie, my pleasure. All right. And uh, so first things first, uh, it's kind of been a long time coming in Gatineau, which is hard to believe because for so many years, the uh, Olympic have been the kind of a cornerstone franchise, but uh, uh, there was a rather deep rebuild that started uh, in about 2019, 2020. Those players have matured. Uh, just give us your thoughts, Louie, on what you've seen from the group so far early on this year. Well, we, we really like our group. Obviously, it's uh, it's been a tough start, uh, missing 10 to 12 guys up to NHL camp injuries. Um, but, you know, that's the reality of playing major junior uh, in, in September. When you have a, a good club, obviously, you're going to miss some key element uh, heading to the NHL camps. Uh, but I think, like you said, that regroup, uh, not that regroup, but that, uh, you know, that rebuild uh, came when, when I got the job and, and I was fortunate enough to have four first-round picks. Uh, you know, uh, one, two, four, and, and thirteen, and then uh, we traded to get uh, to move up to eight. Uh, we had a vision. Uh, it was important for us to uh, to build and, and to create a culture, a winning culture, and it was important for for those young guys to you know to be um, to be put in situation early on in their career. Uh, so you know, when they get to eighteen and nineteen years old, uh, they're going to be able to, to you know to lead and and uh, and have success. And, you add to those four guys, you had guys like Zach Dean and Dibute. Uh So we have a quality group, and then uh, we made a few trades along the way, and that brings us to where we are today, and uh, we're really excited for, for our group this year. Uh, Louis, you mentioned it off the top. I mean, you've had some significant, significant injury problems right off the top. Uh, how do you, how, how's your team dealt with that? Uh, they, well, they dealt really well. It's more the GM that's been uh, scratching a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, when you, you know, we acquired uh, Olivier Nadeau, and then we heard the news that he's going to be missing a few months and won't be back until Christmas and stuff. And then, um, you know, Antoine Vero, uh, you know, who was injured last year at the end of the year, we tried uh, um, to do some treatment, then worked out. So we came back to ground, you know, to, to the first step, and then he had to go through a surgery, and now he's going to be back only early December. Um, but this is, uh, you know, you have to handle it the right way. And, you know, our injuries are part of the game. And it's going to, you know, give a chance to some of the guys to, to step up and um, and be maybe in a role that they were uh, they were not expected to. And even the, these guys were not expected to be playing maybe on the power play early on in the year. Uh, so for us, I see it on the, you know, I see it positively. Uh, but but the coach really is looking forward to, to have all these guys back and then uh, you know to build uh, you know to build our team and to see what what type of team we have when uh, everybody's going to be healthy. You know, Menix came in, come back from from Arizona the first game and then uh, second game first period gets uh, 
um, you know, broken, uh, you know, collarbone, and now he's going to be out for three months. Uh, so uh, it's been a tough go, but uh, we're happy that we're able to, you know, to move on and have some success early on in the year. And like we discovered a few guys. And I mean, it's thankfully it's one of those uh, situations like most teams at the top of the cycle. You know, you have a lot of depth to, uh, you know, to bank on, you know, eight or nine NHL drafted guys in the lineup when it's a full lineup. Uh, obviously, uh, Noah Warren, uh, soon to be coming back from NHL camp, is going to be uh, a big positive as well. And he drew a lot of rave reviews in Anaheim. Another guy I want to focus on, you just mentioned him, Louis, was uh, Zach Dean, uh, who was uh, part of that 2019 draft class. Uh, Came fourth overall uh, to Gatineau. Uh, you uh, started working with him in year two. And uh, I was talking uh, last week with uh, Will Nickel, the uh, director of player Devel development for the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, the first thing out of Will's mouth was he is uh, competitive to the point that he gets under opponent's skin. And when Will said that, it made me think of another guy who used to play in this league. That guy's name was Louis Robitaille. <laughs> so, uh, how much uh, of uh, Zach's game uh, uh, maybe do you do you see uh, from from your days uh, playing? And uh, just tell us a little bit about he, how he has uh, been able to uh, adjust in the league to the point that he's now really uh, drawing a lot of uh, positive reviews uh, from his NHL club. Well, first of all, he's nowhere near me. Uh, I was never as good as him. Uh, cannot handle the puck. Um, not even close. <laughs> uh, like, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, Zach, Zach is outstanding. Uh, I was, you know, like you said, I was, I started working with him on, you know, year two. We all knew his offensive upside. Like he had a, you know, unbelievable year, his rookie year. Uh, we liked him a lot. Like I wasn't Victor back then when he was drafted, but we were like, holy moly, like that guy's a good player. And then, you know, facing him at 16, he was a leader already in Gatineau. And then when I got I got name here in Gatineau, I said, you know what, you're you're good offensively. Now let's bring this game to a two-hour foot game, to an NHL type of game, uh, to make sure you're you're going to be ready for the next step. It, I guarantee that, and I told him, I said, I guarantee you're going to have a great career in the queue. Now we need to focus on being a pro, and and uh, you know with the with his skill set, his speed, uh, and he's a competitor. Uh, you know, he, he he's a proud guy. Like he wants to win battles. He he's fierce on talk. Like he he doesn't take no for an answer. And I said, well, let's bring this to your game now. Uh, let's make sure that you you are as strong defensively that you, like you are offensively. And let's make sure that you we focus on winning the battles and playing the right way. And it's just to show you that points is not important for the NHL. You know, I know it is at some point is going to come back in the mix. But but you look at Zach's uh, you know year at seventeen. What made, like, for me, when, when people were talking to me about him was really the way he was competing, the way he was playing that turn of a game, the way he, he improved his overall game with and without the puck. And and for me, offense was was coming down afterwards. And then you see him having early, early success right now to this year, but he hasn't changed. Uh, he's calm, he's composed, but when there's a loose puck, you know one thing, uh, 14 will be in the picture and he's going to want that puck. Now, going back to your playing career, I was looking at some of your stats today. We don't see a lot of players in the queue with this many penalty minutes uh, in the season <laughs> anymore. So what's what's kind of the big differences between uh, the style of play in the queue now than it was uh, 20 years ago? Well, you guys are, are 
you know, the, the game has evolved. Like you look at the NHL, there's no more fight. There's no more. And, and by any mean, I was not a tough guy. I was, I was, I was showing up for my teammates and I was, I had to do it. And the way that's the way I played. And there was a lot more fights back then. Um, but today's game is, is, is based on speed skill. I think there's still some competitiveness uh, to a certain extent, but like, you know, like it's, it's more an up and down and it's made for, for good players. And I think is the, the right way to do it. Um, you know, as a father, now I don't want to see my son fight every night and then then uh, they'll square off in the middle of the ice and, you know, fighting is, is still part of the game. I, I get that, but it's okay that it's going away. Um, you know, for the health and for 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 the fans, they like to see goals. They like to see points. Um, but like you know, there was there was an area where it was fun to fight, and it was it was good to fight. It was part of the game. Uh, but luckily, uh, I'm I'm healthy today, and then uh, you know I I went through it, and that's why at some point I had to, to call it quit because I wanted to focus on family and and to become a coach afterwards. And uh, Louis, it's uh, a big year coming up. Uh, in Gatineau, uh, not only are you guys uh, po poised for a potentially long run in the playoffs, but it's also the 50th anniversary season, and uh, anybody who's been around the league for any amount of time uh, knows how special that's going to be, especially a team like uh, the Olympic. You, know, you go back to your days, you know, watching this league even before you ever get even get into the league. You know, myself, you know, been around it for the better part of 30 years, and you know, for the longest time. You know, Gatineau slash Hull was the place to be, especially if you wanted to win a championship. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you'll hear uh, teams, players, you know, they, they, they try and sort of block out a little bit of that uh, extracurricular stuff, try and focus on their own game. But uh, uh, that being said, uh, there's got to be some degree of excitement all the way around that organization as uh, you guys uh, celebrate a very important milestone. Yeah, well, for me, um, I know you're a New York Yankees fan. You know, they're the New York Yankees of the QMJHL. No, I'm just kidding. I know you're a Red Sox We'll talk fan. about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, you know, for me, they're, they're, they're the most prestigious organization in the Q. Uh, even in the CHL, seven, you know, President Cup, one Memorial Cup, one here at home uh, in 97. It's, it's, uh, when I got named for me, it was unique. Uh, this is a, you know, tradition of excellence uh, built by Mr. Ali. Wayne Gretzky was owner, like Jeremy Roenick, Luke Robitaille. We can go on and on and on with the list of players, alumni that came there. Um, so, so it's an honor for me. It's an honor for players to be here. It's a privilege. Uh, we're lucky. You know, we, we, we're playing the beautiful slosh puppy arena. Uh, you know, the crowds are, are outstanding over, you know, 3,500 every night. Um, so, so it's a big year and, you know, we want to make sure we focus on the right thing. Uh, like I said, it's a privilege. It's, it's an honor to be here. Uh, we, we like our club. Uh, we hope, you know, to bring back that championship. We, that's, that's, that, that's the main goal, just like the other 17 teams in the league. They all want to win the last game of the season. And for us, it's, you know, uh, we need to focus on the present and, you know, control the controllables. Uh, and if we do so, I think we, we give ourselves a really good chance, uh, you know, to have success at the end of the day. Um, but, but like you said, 50 years in Gatineau, it's, it's unique, it's special. Uh, you know, we saw it from game one here when we had over 65 alumni, uh, King, you know, coming in town, like guys like Peter, where we're all flying, where we're all flying from Florida just to be part of it and to be here. So I think that, you know, that give me goosebumps just thinking about it. And, uh, you know, the player has to be excited for that. Louis, we're expecting big things from your team this year. What are, what are some of the other teams you think will be uh, contenders for the league, the league title this year? 
Uh, well, you know, uh, as you guys look, you know, Sherbrooke has a really strong team. I think Quebec has a really strong team. Halifax is, is, is really good as well. There's there's a lot of good teams. Layville, I think, with the addition of, uh, you know, Bruce Lawrence, you know, will be tough to beat. Um, but you know what? There's um, there's one thing I know. At the end of the year, there's going to be six, seven teams contending for that championship. That's how it is every single year. Uh, you look at the year Victor won. Everybody was expecting, you know, Val Dore to be there. Victor came in. They, they 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 did a few position at the trade deadline. Um, you know they bond. They 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 clicked and then they won the championship. So for us, uh, we we have to ignore that outside noise. We have to focus on our group. Uh, we know there's going to be some good teams. We are a really good team. We like our team and um, the best men will will win at the end of the day. At the day. Well, Louis, uh, we thank you for taking the time here. Um, just got off a tough road trip, a successful road trip, a couple of victories in the bank over in eastern Quebec. So uh, to come on uh, under these circumstances and, you know, uh, tell us about your uh, love of the Red Sox as well as love of your team. Uh, it's, it's greatly appreciated. I wish I could tell you we're taking this full disclosure on a Monday night. Uh, the night of Game 5 against uh, Cleveland Guardians and New York Yankees. I wish I could tell you that I was cheering for the Yankees, but you know what? If Gatineau ends up winning the league, I certainly won't just be, be disappointed to see that, so that'll have to be the concession. That's good, and you might have to wear a Yankees ad then. <laughs> we'll, keep we'll keep talking as the season goes on, bud. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. Have a great season. Thank you. You as well. Definitely. So now we've heard from Louie. Uh, let's uh, hear a little bit from the two of us. And uh, uh, this is our first episode to give us uh, give you a little bit of background on uh, who we are. Uh, as I mentioned, my name is Will McLaren. I'm based out of uh, the Halifax area in Nova Scotia. I've been following the league for many, many years, almost 30 years to this point. And I've been freelancing uh, within the media world in the league for um, about 17 or 18 years uh, between time in Moncton, St. John, now in Halifax, and uh, as well as contributing to the hockey news as well, uh, covering the Quebec League, and just happy to see yet another platform out there for uh, people to uh, get their news and information on the queue. Uh, as mentioned, here with Jamie Tozer, and uh, Jamie, I'll, I'll let you take it away. Uh, Let's uh, hear a little bit about you, where you're from, what your background is, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so I'm originally from uh, the St. Stephen area. Um, grew up there, um, and I think most people probably know me from the the Station Nation guy. Uh, I've been doing that since uh, since I was in high school, so way back. Uh, I did started that in 2009. So I've been covering the Sea Dogs since uh, Jonathan Huberto's rookie year um, in St. John. So I've seen seen quite a bit of hockey seen the ups and downs of uh, of the cycle a few times uh but uh have had some great opportunities uh presented to me because of this blog um got me into master's program got me into uh, some internships got me into some a lot of freelance work um so it's been it's been a blast um and i'm really excited to see where where uh, this audio platform can take us will i'm really excited to to work with uh a broadcasting veteran of the league like yourself and to uh to learn from you well uh as a veteran would be uh well uh, you get a certain age i guess veteran doesn't sound too bad or you get used to it so uh sure we'll go with veteran but uh now uh, don't don't sell yourself short you've got three president cup uh, victories uh, and uh, two memorial cup uh, 
victories covering the Sea Dogs under your belt. That's uh, that's more than most guys uh, get in several lifetimes. So uh, you know, it's uh, always always fun when you cover those top teams. And uh, speaking of the top teams uh, this year in the queue, uh, you know, we talked to Louie. Of course, he's expecting big things, as I think we all are from. Sherbrooke Phoenix from the Quebec Rampart, Helvex Mooseheads uh, here in the Maritimes uh, are uh, poised to uh, probably be a force in that division. Um, but, you know, you look at the Phoenix in particular, um, that that club is really, uh, they, they they rebounded very quickly. You know, they, they had their playoff opportunity in 2000 dashed. They were the Jean Rougeau Trophy winners as first place finishers in the league that year. Uh, of course, the COVID pandemic came along and snuffed out their uh, chances of the playoff uh, run. Uh, they were in dead last in the abbreviated season uh, in 2020, 2021, and right back at it. Uh, you know, trip to the league semifinals last year. Uh, they are without a regulation loss as of this recording at 8-0-1 on the year. Uh, just, uh, Jamie, give us your thoughts on uh, uh, some of the things that you've uh, seen from them so far. Yeah, like they're kind of a – since they kind of came into the league, they have kind of a, a bizarre franchise history where they're kind of stuck in the middle for so long, and then um, that COVID year really took off, and obviously that was really disappointing. And then, like you said, just uh, – immediate climb back up um the past couple of years um i think they're one of those teams that a lot of people probably hope will have success because i think after, after that covid year i think all the teams that have had success in that year and had their hopes uh, ruined by the by covid you kind of hope that they have success uh soon after that disappointment um yeah this year i mean i think they're kind of playing to what we expected to i think that's kind of fair to say obviously a really hot start um 8-0-1 I can't get much better than that um I'm kind of curious to see how they play over the next few weeks um they've had a bit of a weird schedule to start the year um they played nine games but seven of those have been at home um which is a little bit of an oddity for this time of year so I'm curious to see how they do once their schedule maybe gets a little bit harder um but similar to last year even though they lost Xavier Perron they're still scoring a ridiculous amount of goals yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, two-thirds of that top line have, have turned over. Of course, Xavier uh, Perron, as you mentioned, uh, Jamie, also uh, Julian Antil, who was uh, uh, also on that line on the wing. Um, Joshua Waugh, I mean, he was the league leader in scoring last year, so getting him back is certainly uh, uh, nothing to sneeze at. But the guys who uh, have taken their place um, in Justin Gill and Ethan Goche, and we'll talk about Ethan maybe in a little more detail later on in this uh, program, have filled in uh, without a, missing a beat, really. You talk about that schedule. Well, they are on the road this week. There's a game in Bakemo and a game in Shikudmi, uh two teams that aren't necessarily towards the uh, top of the rankings or expected to be, but Bakemo is on the resurgence. Both buildings are difficult to play in. Then they come home to face the Victoria Voltique, who've had a surprisingly strong start in their own right. Yeah, the Tigers are a bit of an interesting team. I think, you know, most people probably predict them to be near the, the bottom half of the standings, but they're off to a really good start. And uh, Maxine Pellerin's uh, had their captains off to a really good start. Um, and certainly in goal, they've gotten really good performances so far. And um, I watched the CDOS game there on. Uh, on Sunday, uh, Gabriel Dagg, who was the second overall pick in the, in the draft in, in June or 
June or July, whenever that was. It's all mixed together now. Um, whatever, <laughs> no, whatever nothing ever happens when you expect it to happen. <laughs> exactly. <now. laughs> second overall pick, still 15 years old. Um, he's off to a 3-0 start. Um, CHL posted a graphic today as the best goals against average in the entire country right now with a, a 1 uh, GAA, which is excellent. Not draft eligible until 2025. Um, so this is crazy to see um, a 15-year-old doing this well on a team that's not, you know, a super team. I think if, if you know, he was a 15-year-old goalie on Quebec or Sherbrooke, you think, okay, I can see that. But, you know, Victoriaville obviously looks decent so far, but they're not an extremely powerful team. So to see him performing um, on an average to below average team is, is exceptional. I'm, I'm excited to see what he has in the years to come. Yeah, and you know, anytime you have a goaltender drafted second overall, I mean, it, it's the same in the queue as it is in most other leagues uh, that have a draft. Uh, you have to be exceptional uh, as a netminder to, to take a spot that high in the rankings. Second highest drafted goaltender of all time between Max Daniel after Max Daniel, who was picked by Valdor in two thousand, and 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 like Dave early on, uh, Daniel in his rookie season led that team to within a win of the Memorial Cup. So that's the kind of caliber that that uh, you have to be uh, to be drafted at that age, that high into the queue. And you know, you, you talk about him being fifteen; it's just. Uh, unbelievable. He looks very cool and composed. Saw the highlights of that uh, shutout win against the Sea Dogs yesterday, and kind of the only the only comparison I could make it to uh, from the queue at least of a 15 year old coming in and being that successful or looking that good under under fire is probably Mark Andre Fleury. Mm -hmm. uh, you're talking about you know getting close to 25 years ago. This is a once in a generation sort of thing. You you don't want to put. Uh, too much pressure on on a guy this early in his career, but uh, as of right now, the stats certainly uh, speak for themselves, and uh, so does the performance. Um, another team, of course, that's uh, making headlines as they are wont to do year in Europe. Quebec Rampart seven one zero and one so far this year, again in the national rankings, right underneath uh, uh, Sherbrooke. They were two three in last week's rankings. Um, you know, another successful week uh, this past year, uh, this past week, I should say. Uh, shootout loss against Shakutami, but then wins against Bathurst and St. John. And the scoring is kind of coming from everybody on this team, Jim. Yeah, then, you know, the Remparts, they've been kind of a deep team for a few years now. They don't, I don't want to say they don't have stars because they do have star players, but they don't have, you know, that one guy who's going to light it up every night. They, they're a really deep team. Um, and we've seen that, especially this weekend. I mean, the, even though their top line was was unbelievable um, against St. John, uh, one of the, honestly one of the best performances I've ever seen from a single line uh, combined 16 points uh, for Theo Rochette, Pierre Levieux, and Zachary Bolduc. I mean that is that is nuts um, to see yeah. that kind of performance in one game. Um, but um, they're a deep team even beyond that first line. I mean I know you have in the notes here Davis Cooper who had four goals all I think all of last season has four goals already. Um, another guy who's who's stepped up this season, uh, Charles Savoie, who's uh, played in St. John and Cape Breton last season. Not an offensively gifted—I don't want to say offensively gifted player, but not known for his offense. Um, is almost at a point per game this season. Has seven points in nine games. So they're getting production throughout their lineup, and um, certainly if they can keep that up, they're going to be a dangerous team all year. Um, and uh, you know, if you can't shut down that top line, that top line is probably going to kill you anyway. Yeah, and uh, of course, everybody, everybody's favorite head coach in the league, Patrick Waugh, uh, will have that team firing in all cylinders. You know, uh, love him or hate him, uh, he gets results more often than not. 
and uh, with that uh, crew at his command the, this year, that should be no different. <laughs> Move on to the player of the week here in the QMJHL. It was just announced today. And, uh, you know, we talked about the net-minding uh, talents of Gabrielle Day. But let's talk about a guy in Val Dora, William Blackburn. It's his first year's a full-time starter up in the Abitibi region. And he's making the most of it. Uh, phenomenal performance, 3-0 in the past week. Yep, and Valdor is a team, you know, kind of an interesting team. I think most people probably had them in the middle of the pack to the lower end, at least in the first half, um, and then maybe falling off after the trade deadline. But, you know, if they're, they're a team to me that if they can get really good goaltending, they're a dangerous team, especially in this first half. So um, to see him performing that well, um, I think that's that's a huge boost for Valdor. Um, and 46 saves, that's really impressive for for any goaltender. Yeah, definitely. Um you know, he, uh, you know, walked into Blaineville, uh, you know, a very tough team, uh, a team that is expected to be uh, towards the upper echelon. Obviously, they uh, took a bit of a hit earlier in the season or uh, before the season started with uh, Patrick Gay, um, formerly the Charlottetown Islanders, 55 goal man last year, not reporting, going to the uh, pro ranks instead. So, um, but still a very tough team to contend with to walk into that building and put on a clinic like that is uh, truly fantastic. Um, we talked to Louis uh, Robitaille off the top. Uh, he's uh, His uh, team is in one of those uh, key games this week, ironically against that same Armada group. Uh, Blankenville, Bobber, and Armada traveling to Gatineau on, sa- on Saturday. Also, the background part uh, visiting the uh, Charlottetown Islanders that same night. Uh, two teams in Quebec and Charlottetown finished 1-2 in the league last year. Uh, one team came within a game of making it to the President Cup final. That was, of course, the Rampart, who lost to the Cataracts in Schwinnigan. And the Islanders, who did make it to the final for the very first time, uh, only to fall to that same Schwinnigan club. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess it's after about, what, eight seasons now, uh, Jamie, it's safe to say that if Jim Holton is behind the bench, or as long as he's behind the bench of the Charlottetown Islanders, you probably can't count them out of any single game. And he's once again proving it uh, this year with uh, uh, enormous amount of turnover. That's why I, when I was doing my predictions for the Maritimes Division this season, I'm really nervous to put Charlottetown in in last, definitely in last place, even fifth place, maybe even fourth place. I, I, Jim Holton gets the best out of every team he coaches it seems but and um you know i'm really curious to see what he can get out of this islanders team because there's no doubt they've taken a pretty significant step back um so to see what they're going to be able to do um will be interesting um i don't know i i I think i think they're going to be struggling to get out of the basement in the division um but like you said um i i don't doubt anything uh, with jim holton especially if they can get good goaltending um, from their net minding. Yeah, and uh, Frankie LaPena has been doing that uh, so far this year and a very capable backup as well in uh, Oliver uh, Chatney. So, uh, you know, and sometimes in when you're in that situation, we've seen it before with uh, previous uh, champions, um, banking the points early on can, uh, you know, simply sustain you, get you at least in the first round, maybe even get you a favorable matchup. So, be very interesting to see what happens uh, to uh, the Charlottetown Islanders as the season progresses and uh, the uh, level of competition ramps up as well. 
same with their well, well just before you move on there like they're playing in a division too where they're going to be able to rack up some points so it's uh that's right you know other than the other than the moose heads you know we know the wildcats will probably be good but they're looking at you know future seasons but um you know bathers st john um and cape breton they're all in, in the rebuilding stages so they're they have the opportunity to pick up points yeah it actually makes that division uh, probably one of the more intriguing if not the more entertaining one mm -hmm. simply because of the level of play of uh, st john cape breton uh moncton and charlottetown especially pre-trade deadline you know anything can happen uh, once that uh, that hits but you know even you know, you talk about the Mooseheads, who consensus should be the top team in the division. While well, they walked in, Moncton dropped a, a game in regulation time for the first time all year. So, uh, you know, it, it's not just cliche. You never know what can happen. And uh, the Maritime Division will be an interesting one to keep tabs on all year long for sure. All right, let's take a look at the NHL team profile for the week. And for that profile, we are going to go to sunny California and the Anaheim Ducks. And if you are a fan of the queue, you might want to consider joining on the Ducks bandwagon as they make their climb through the QMJHL standings. There are a ton of prospects both in the queue and outside the queue, and a few guys contributing right now with the big club. But uh, the focus, Jamie, uh, right now, we'll talk about the guys who are still in the league. And do they have a field day here last uh, July? The most recent NHL entry draft, picking up Nathan Gauthier from the Quebec Grand Prix 22nd overall, and then uh, double dipping in the second round. Not only going with a pair of defensemen, going with a pair of Gatineau Olympic defensemen, in Noah Warren and Tristan Luno. Yeah, this is uh, you know kind of interesting to see a team draft uh, not the, not only this many Q guys, but this many Q guys this high in the draft. You know, these aren't uh, fifth and sixth round picks; these are really high uh, quality picks. So obviously, the Ducks uh, really believe in their in their uh, Eastern Canada scouting to uh, draft a lot of these guys. Um, but yeah, um, and you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they kind of. Uh, Obviously, there's two defensemen there, but you know, even even Goche is kind of known for his uh, two-way play. So, um, really, really smart um, defensive players uh, by uh, by Anaheim here. Um, so, kind of interesting picks. And you know, Goche, who uh, I watched a bit last weekend uh, play against St. John, uh, you know, a big big-bodied guy, um, not necessarily the most uh, flashy guy offensively, but. Um, I'm expecting, you know, a big year from him on a contending team as an older guy. So I think, uh, we're probably going to see the best, uh, offensive numbers of his career this coming season, I would expect. Um, and obviously Luno and Warren, uh, are on an, on a good up and coming Gatineau team. Um, and very different players, uh, certainly feels like anyway. And, um, especially Warren, who I find is a, kind of an intriguing defenseman, um, given his size. Um, and I was actually looking at the numbers preparing for this interview. He's listed at 6'5", 215 right now. Um, when he was drafted in the queue, he was 6'4", 203. So he's gotten even larger since, uh, since his draft year into the queue, if that's even possible. Uh, but a physical guy, but he uses his size really smart, um, really uses that wingspan, uh, really uses his reach to, his, uh, to be effective. Um, but for a big guy, he can skate pretty well. So... Uh, um, future looks bright in Anaheim, uh, especially from a Q, Q perspective. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, just to uh, finish up that comment on uh, Noah Warren, of course, when, when he was drafted, he was in that class of 2020 and uh, Louis Robitaille uh, had already mentioned earlier in this broadcast, they had four of the top eight picks. Uh, Tristan Luno was pick number one. Noah Warren was pick number eight. And really the attention was really a little bit more focused on Tristan Luno as tends to be when you're the first overall pick in any league. That's that's what's going to happen. But Noah Warren has definitely made a name for himself, and uh, the Anaheim Brass has definitely taken notice. In fact, you know he's just now on his way back to the queue after an, an, an extended look uh, with the Ducks. And you mentioned the, the speed and the decision-making there, uh, Jamie. You know He has uh, almost never looked at a place – uh, in the queue, which is very hard to say for uh, a younger defenseman of that size. And he's also not really looked at a place in NHL camps. So, you know, full credit to uh, to Noah for using all the tools in the toolbox. Of course, there's one other uh, drafted player in the league right now who's uh, Duck Property, and that's another defenseman. It's Tyson Hintz. That was first place Sherbrooke Phoenix. He was picked up 76th overall. In 2021, you know, one of those defense first sort of guys. And when you go through the list of guys who uh, are either with the big club or trying to knock on the door, whether it's a Benoit Olivier Gruel, Axel Anderson, who saw a brief stint with the Moncton Wildcats, uh, and of course, up uh, to just to name a couple. And of course, a guy like Max Comtois, Simon Benoit, Benoit, Dmitry Kulikov, who was with Drummondville. About a dozen years ago, it's all guys, as you already alluded to, Jamie, with that defense-first mentality, or at least not afraid to uh, you to. Uh, uh, they're not going to sacrifice offense for defense uh, in most situations. And one other guy I'll mention, Will, uh, behind the bench in San Diego, uh, Jason Clark, who left a little abruptly left the uh, the Teton this summer. Um, certainly worth keeping an eye on. Uh, interesting coaching staff in San Diego. If you follow the AHL, uh, Roy Sommer, who's a legend um, in the AHL coaching ranks, uh, left uh, left the San Jose Sharks organization after a long, long, long stint there to join the uh, the Ducks organization. So he's running San Diego. So interesting, uh, interesting look behind the bench uh, in San Diego this season as well. Yeah, and that was a quick jump for Jason Clark, as you mentioned. Uh, that, that guy was the king of Carlton Place, Ontario, uh, for many, many years uh, with the Junior A club there. They went to a number of uh, National Junior A championships. The uh, Carlton Place Canadians um, made the jump to Bathurst uh, last year and then quickly in the AHL. So wishing him all the best. And as you said, very interesting staff for sure. Moving on, the 2023 NHL Draft Eligible Prospect of the Week. We're going to pick one player every week to focus on uh, and uh, just talk about them as a player, maybe talk about them a bit as a person, and uh, talk about where they might land in the, the realm of pro hockey when it's all said and done. And uh, we've already mentioned him earlier in this broadcast. Jamie, we want to talk about Ethan Gauthier. Uh, he was the first overall pick in the queue in 2021 with the Sherbrooke Phoenix. We talked about that quick turnaround. He was a part of that quick turnaround last year that uh, saw the, the Phoenix uh, rise very quickly in the standings. And don't look now, but uh, here he is in his draft year, and he's on the top line for the top team in the league. 
Yeah, really impressive and good for him. Um, you know, a guy who I really think could see we could see rise up the draft rankings this season, just given that um, if he is, stays on that top line uh, for throughout the year, I think his offensive numbers are probably gonna gonna go up quite a bit compared to what we've seen in previous years, um, which is probably gonna help his draft stock quite a bit. So. Um, certainly playing on a contending team that's offensively gifted like Sherbrooke um, it's going to be it's going to help him very likely um, so curious to see what he can do the rest of the year really good numbers off to a good start six goals and 10 assists in nine games um, pretty good two-way forward so um, again we'll we'll kind of see if he can can lean into to playing on that top line to increase those offensive numbers um, but also a little bit on the smaller side too 511. 176 uh well, that's what the q side hasn't listed as anyways um so certainly uh, a guy who's who's going to want to uh try and increase that offensive production this season yeah definitely and you know you, you hear that uh, term you know the the new nhl or the new pro ranks and that new nhl is skewed in such a way that uh, size doesn't matter quite as much as it did you know 10 20 years ago and uh, ethan might just be yet another example of, of that. Um, of course, he comes by the talent uh, very honestly. He is the son of a former uh, QMJHL player and uh, uh, former first-round draft pick in the NHL. Is, of course, defenseman Denny Gauthier, who uh, spent his time in Drummondville. Uh, Jamie, I know you mentioned off the top, uh, you know, referring to me as a veteran, quote-unquote. Well, nothing makes you feel old like watching the sons of players who uh, were in their prime in the queue when you started following the league. And sure enough, there's Denny, a uh, former world junior guy uh, back in the day, you know, time with Calgary, uh, most notably with Calgary Flames. And here's his, here's his son uh, now uh, tearing up the league as well. It's great to see, but um, yeah, it doesn't make you feel any, uh, any younger. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're, we're nearing the point where there's going to be guys playing for the Sea Dogs who weren't alive when uh, I started writing the blog in 2009. We're getting It'll to that happen point. to so, you, yep, yes. Yep, we're getting to that point. I'm, <laughs> I'm not prepared for it yet, but hopefully it will be. Yep. Uh, just on a personal note, uh, uh, the beginning of the 2021-22 season, that was the uh, debut of uh, some players who were born after I got married. Humbling. <laughs> Yes, thank you. <laughs> Moving on to other news and notes from uh, around the queue. And uh, I want to talk about one that's uh, of particular interest uh, in, in the Maritimes, in particular the St. John area. And Jamie, I know this is one that piques your interest, and that is the unveiling last week of the new CHL Memorial Cup scholarship. This is a $5,000 scholarship that will be granted to a city in the local area of the last Memorial Cup host. Of course, that host, that most recent host is, or, or were, the St. John Sea Dogs. And some uh, lucky student in the St. John area is going to be the very first uh, beneficiary. So, uh, Jamie, tell us what you know about this program and, uh, and how it came uh, to fruition. Yeah, I know um, a lot of the Memorial Cup... Uh um talk and strategies throughout the the past calendar year have been around um some legacy projects um so certainly the ball hockey court um, that's in the next to the td station parking lot's one of those and and the scholarship funds another one um and obviously this is one that's going to continue um beyond the saint john memorial cup so that's great to see 
Um, certainly when I saw this release, I actually didn't even realize it was for um, any student in St. John, in the St. John area. I actually thought it was for um, a player um, from one of the participating teams. So um, obviously a great opportunity for for any uh, any student in the St. John area, um, not just high school student, I believe the age goes to 22 or 23. So um, if you're looking for scholarship opportunities, visit the uh, CHO website or Memorial Cup website for, for that information. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the applications uh, can be forwarded to the St. John Sea Dogs Foundation to anybody in the St. John area, no later than December 16th of 2022. Um, now, uh, you know, we talked about this throughout this broadcast, um, Jamie, and that is some of the players who we haven't seen so far. Uh, you mentioned it with Louis Robotai right off the top. He mentioned uh, Olivier Nadeau, who, uh, after winning uh, a President Cup in Schwinnigan last year, he's out for several months due to so shoulder surgery um, before he uh, makes his first appearance with his new team in Gatineau. Um, Riley Mercer in Drummondville. Uh, who was stellar in his first couple of games, three goals allowed in those two games. He's at a commission for uh, an amount of time. Zach LaRue in Halifax. We're not talking about depth guys. We're talking about top-line guys who are missing time, some of them missing significant time. Um, I suppose one of the happy byproducts to this, if you want to call it, is most of those teams have not suffered yet. But... Uh, at, at a certain point, no matter how deep you are, you know, something may have to give here at a certain point, Jamie. And uh, just give us your thoughts on how you might see all this panning out with all of these different teams missing various star players. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, these are, this is a significant amount of star players to be out all at once and certainly noticeable given that it's the start of the season. And, you know, a lot of these guys you'd probably expect to see, um, near the top of the the stats um, in a lot of categories, so uh, very noticeable. But I think you're you're kind of starting to see the good teams are sticking near the top just because they have the depth, right? So I think um, the teams that are maybe banking on some of the the top line talent that's not there right now um, are probably suffering the most. So I think a team like Gatineau can probably fight through it, even though they're probably hit the hardest. Um, because they're they're a deep team, um, they've still got some a lot of quite a few bodies that can that can produce in their lineup. Um, but yeah, like Louis mentioned at the top, I mean the the Gatineau injury list is just is something else. Uh, I have the list right here from their last game. Their last game, they're without Noah Warren, Emmerich Depetit, Manix Landry, Landry, uh, Olivier Nadeau, and Antonin Vero. I mean that is uh, an all star lineup of injuries right now, and those oh, aren't. Those aren't uh, short-term injuries, from from what we understand. Most of them, anyway. Um, so those are, are that's a significant loss. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, uh, again, you know, it's it's a situation where it it becomes challenging. As Louis said, it's uh, probably more challenging for the GM than the coach. Now, of course, in his case, he's both. So uh, he can, I guess, he's he's kind of answering to himself in that regard. And you know, in all fairness, uh, Noah Warren is making his return uh, rather soon, as we've mentioned a couple of times. And uh, maybe a couple of these situations uh, uh, may not be as long-term. I know uh, Nadeau and uh, Vero will be, but, uh, you know, it's it's hard to say with uh, perhaps maybe a guy uh, uh, like De Petit. Um, but still, you know, it's, it's no matter who you are, you lose that many 
the players, it's going to be very difficult to overcome. Another one, and then, Jamie, you're the one who brought this up, uh, talking about key guys who you know, maybe aren't the household names, but um, nonetheless, they, they were slated to make an impact. That's William Trudeau with Charlottetown Islanders, who uh, maybe got a little bit overshadowed in Charlottetown, you know, playing uh, behind uh, a guy like Lucas Cormier, but uh, was very valuable in his own right. Montreal Canadiens thought, thought highly of him, drafted him a couple of years ago, and they've now signed him, and he's with the Laval Rocket. Uh, so if you're a team like Charlottetown, who there's your number one guy, um, off to the pro ranks, maybe a little bit unexpectedly, it certainly throws your entire plan, really, whether or not, you know, Trudeau was going to finish the year in Charlottetown, whether or not he was going to get traded, but it throws a lot of your present and your future into flux. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, even if he was going to be traded immediately or at Christmas, I mean, that that really throws a lot of your your planning off and, and your ability to, to recoup some assets and um, yeah, that's a, that's a significant move. And from what I understand, there's still a chance that Trudeau could come back um, to the queue at some point. So we'll have to wait and see um, whether that happens or not. But, uh, um, you know, huge loss for the Islanders on the ice or a huge loss for the Islanders in terms of, of, of rebuild. Definitely. Now, uh, uh, one thing to follow up with there, uh, Jeremy Biakabatuka, who's uh, kind of become the de facto number one uh, on the blue line over in Charlottetown, um, has responded to this quite well. He's actually one of the uh, uh, players of the week in the queue, one of the all-stars of the week. Uh, Two-goal performance uh, earlier uh, last week against the Rumville Voltigeur. I see him rounding into form a former first-round pick of the Valdor Forer. And with that, we're, we have come nearly to the end. But before we go, we want you to stop right now and if you're in the St. John area, get ready to sing, get ready to dance, get ready to do whatever it is you want, because you're going to party like it's 1996 on New Year's Eve. Jamie, tell us about Spice Girls Night at TD Station. Yep. Now, if I was if I was hip and, and, and into music more, this is where I drop some some really great Spice Girls references. But since I'm not, I'm <laughs> just gonna read the details. Which maybe that's maybe that's what. Just the read the release. Uh, that's all you need. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so New Year's Eve, St. John. Uh, you're gonna want to be there. 2 p.m. I know Willie. You'll probably be there. I'll dress up. Um, special appearance by Wannabe, a Spice Girls tribute band. Um, fans are encouraged to dress up as members of the band. Obviously. Um, so that'll be fun. Be a fun, different, different experience on a New Year's Eve. Certainly uh, get the uptown, uh, the uptown going on a big night. Um, so yeah, it'll be be a fun time. And I know the CDOs have uh, have been looking to increase their uh, involvement on the music scene since this uh, partnership with TD came about a few years ago, and it's kind of uh, been sidelined by uh, by this little thing called COVID. So hopefully this is uh, this is uh, the start of uh, more continuous concerts. Hey, if it's as good as the concert series during the Memorial Cup, it's yeah. going to be a success. That was that was fantastic. Uh, you know uh, that uh, the Matt Mays show during the uh, the event, one of the better ones I've seen uh, in my time. Um, would I go rushing out to go see the Spice Girls? Um, if I lived in the St. John area and my wife told me I had to do it, I probably would. Uh, <laughs> not to say you know I was there for the ground floor. Um, 
I'm not going to lie and say that I uh, I jumped on board. Um, but, hey, you know what? If it brings fans into the stands, that's all that matters. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't even joke and say that I'd have a hard time picking out uh, which one I dress up as because nobody wants to see that. Uh, uh, I don't <laughs> but, know about that. But we want to see what you do. And I know you're going from rink to rink at all times. I can't wait to see where you join us from throughout the year. Hopefully uh, you're like the Carmen San Diego of the CHL. There's very few like you. I mean, you know, I, I want to see these reports from, you know, Moose John, from Kingston, and from Prince George, and wherever you might land, feel like just grab a spot in the corner of the rink and uh, start recording a podcast or two with us because uh, it'll be entertaining. But I hope you're in St. John for New Year's Eve. And, uh, yeah, I, I want to be watching you in full swing. <laughs> I don't know if that's a Spice Girls reference or not, but I'll, uh, <laughs> 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 but yes, it was, uh, certainly looking forward to, uh, to work with you throughout the year, Will, and hopefully uh, we got lots of uh, entertaining hockey to watch and if there's anything we know about the queue, it's uh, you can say whatever you want about the queue, but it's by far the most enter- entertaining, um, intriguing junior circuit in the in the country. So there there's certainly be plenty of things to talk about throughout the year. Uh, well, I doubt we'll ever be at a loss, uh, my friend. Um, and uh, with that, uh, we're going to close the books here on the first edition of the Hockey News on the Queue. For Jamie Chozer, I'm Will McLaren. Thank you for watching. We'll be right back here next week with all the news and all the insights from around the league.